to the Dean of Admission, Princeton University, from Cristina Moreno. Most influential person, my mother. No contest. I think I have been pointing toward this essay ever since the day 12 years ago in Mexico when my father left. Such was my mother's need to protect me that she would not let me see her cry. The trick was get over it as quickly and privately as possible. was my need to protect her that I never let on that I could hear her. <laughs> my mother kept us in Mexico as long as possible to root me in all things Latin. Finally, she sensed our last opportunity for change. We would leave for America. No más una no más una. One tear. Una. Just one. So make it a good one. Pero bien llora. She said. She would be my Mexico. admissions essay is open record. Let me just say that our transportation into the United States was economy class. In order to raise me properly, my mother needed as much of the security of her own culture as possible. So we rolled through Texas, just 34% Hispanic. Adios, Texas. To Los Angeles, 48% Hispanic. Look at the difference. And, and your mother saying, get up, get up, honey, get up. But no, what are they? You can't see them. Why? But they're being killed. They're being strangled by the psychotic Raider fans in their team. What do you have in order? You got a bunch of psychotic, you know, silver and black people. A few minutes adrift in an alien environment. Then we turned a corner and we were right back favorite cousin Monica gave us shelter. For the next six years, neither of us ventured outside our new community. Mom worked two jobs paying a total of $450 a week. Each of us doing everything we could to make things work. We were safe and happy. If only I could have stayed sick. 
but I was blossoming, and during my very first dance, in the time it took a boy's hand to go from my back to my bottom, it was evident that she would have to leave her night job to keep a watchful eye on me. Yes, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh. Um, it's not okay to touch a girl there until you're wearing a ring, right? Dad's right. Yeah. The wedding ring, not a promise ring, not not an I like you ring, any of that. All right. <clears throat> Just in case, I, I don't want to forget this. Um, at the end of the service, we have a uh, youth camp video. It's like nine minutes long, and so we're going to tack it on the end. And if you want to stay, you can watch it. And if you, we'll dismiss you if you need to go get kids and you need to go on. Um, you can do that as well. We'll try to post it on the website before too long. Now, how many of you, when you, when you had your first child and you went home from the hospital, how many of you had instructions taped to the child's forehead when you brought that baby home, right? I mean, Janie and I talk about this every now and then. We remember bringing Caleb home um, that first night. It was, a, it was a stormy night. We were in Arlington. It was uh, January 28th. He's born on the 27th, but on 28th, we got to take him home. And I remember being freaked out because there were no instructions. You know, I'd been a youth minister for all these years and worked with teenagers, but, but babies, that was something new. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about today is parenting is supposed to be a temporary job. One day your children will leave home, hopefully, right? Never to come back except to visit, yes, right? Now, after they've gone, the character that you've built into them will help them, uh, will guide them through life. And Jesus told us this very clearly in Matthew twelve thirty three. He says, if you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. What this means is we need to pay closer attention to the type of fruit that our, our children are bearing overall, not so much what they're bearing on any given day. Because parenting has to do with more than just today. We're preparing our kids not just for the here and now, but for the, the, the future on this planet and hopefully for the future in heaven. So we don't want our kids just to become people who obey when there is an authority figure around. Anybody can obey when the policeman's right there, right? What we want to do is we want to build character in our children so that they obey even when there's no authority figure around. That's, that's self-control, that's self-worth that we're building into them. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about your life most of the problems in your life stem from your own character weaknesses. True or false? Where I'm strong, I usually succeed. Where I am not strong, I usually fail. Is that, the true, is that true for you as well? When you're a parent, you help create your child's future for better or worse by the character that you help uh, them develop. And their character will determine their destiny. And this is, this is the really big thing. Character is formed in relationships. In relationships, our kids learn how to live. And one of the best things we can teach them is the idea of boundaries. And here it is. Here's the definition of a boundary. It's a property line that defines where one person ends and another person begins, right? If you just think of a property line, your property line, and, and you see somebody, I remember one time we were refinancing our house years ago. We were refinancing our house and the surveyor came out and, and my neighbor got nervous because he had put up a fence. And he's like, why are you having a survey? I said, dude, chill. He goes, I thought you were worried that my, my fence was on your property line. I said, man, I don't care. I just, I just want a lower interest rate. You know, I didn't care about that. But property lines define what, what 
I'm responsible for, it defines what you're responsible for, and we need to help our kids understand boundaries. Now, in this next clip, the mom crosses a major boundary, and I want you to watch how the dad and everyone else in the scene, the daughter, everyone reacts to her crossing this boundary line. Hey, surprise! New clothes! What did I do right? There's a warehouse sale. Oh, that went nuts. I got so much because uh, then I wouldn't be able to tell you that uh, your gift to me is Ruth. Oh, honey. Dad, just please, just excuse me. Hey, Bernie. I just, um, I just need to be alone right now. I'm sorry. It's okay. How to be able to I'm just gonna hang out here. Wait for you, okay? Her pediatrician intervened on his own daughter's weight, and she is an eight. Dad, don't. Didn't you ever just need a minute? Yes. This is the same pace, and I'm talking about John. We gotta be on the same pace. That's the most important thing. You and I need to be on the same pace. I don't know why it has to be so hard. I I need a minute. She's right between the two sizes. I thought about it. What am I supposed to do? Encourage her denial? Or motivate her to get herself in shape? Floor. Mm-hmm. What are you? Nico? Yeah, okay. I'll take you to the bus. Sorry, I didn't even help you with the door. I... No, I meant, uh, I was... My mother did not understand her male boss. He seemed as upset as she was over what had been done to Bernice, and yet had done nothing. tomorrow. She didn't need this one. And just the look on her face when she got the gifts. Like for one second she thought all her problems with her mother had been solved. 
He appeared to be a good man, but to someone with first-hand knowledge of Latin macho, he seemed to have the emotions of a Mexican woman. She had no idea how to react, except to flee. Gracias. Whoa, 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 whoa! What are you doing? We're still moving. I'll take you all the way to the bus stop. Ya está aquí. You gotta let me take you all the way. I'll, I'll take you. All the way. How weird was this ride? Sorry. Sorry. No, no se preocupe. Yes, yes, you are released. Yes. How many of you have seen this movie, by the way? All right, so in case you haven't, she doesn't speak English, and she needed a job where she could make $450 a week so that she could take care of her daughter, and uh, she moves in with this kind of crazy Anglo family, and all kinds of uh, things happen here. Now, the main reason that I wanted you to see this uh, this clip was two things. First of all is because the the mom crossed a boundary, and, and secondly, I thought it was kind of funny that she said he had the, the emotions of a Mexican woman. Um, that's That's just a good thing. A good line there. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this verse with me, and then we're going to talk about what it means. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, this this verse applies to both mothers and fathers. In this scene, would you agree that the mother exasperated her daughter? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, big time. And we can see it so clearly in others, we can't always see it in ourselves. God chose you to be your child's parent. He chose you to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus Christ to mold and to shape your children for a better future. And, and you know, life is full of surprises and it's not like God is ever surprised by what your children do. How many of you are surprised by what your children do? Every day, yes. From the time they're born until they're old. Um, we're surprised by them all the time. God's not sitting up in, in heaven go, oh, that's a new one. Didn't see that one coming. Good luck. See you later. That's not how God works. God has given us plenty of instructions about how to raise children in the Bible. We just don't pay attention. Now, in this verse, exasperate means to abuse your position. All right? Fathers and mothers, do not exasperate. Do not abuse your position with your children. That means, that means to abuse your size and your position, to make them do what you want. Have you ever done that? I'm bigger than you, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make you do it, right? You ever done that? How many of you have had someone do that to you? Right? Dude, I wish y'all could see this because the guys back in the, in the booth, they, they're very enthusiastic sometimes. I said, how many of you have ever had that done to you? It's pretty funny. I need a camera. Someday I'm going to have a GoPro up here so you can see the guys back there. It's pretty funny. How did you feel when someone abused their size and position to make you do what they wanted you to do? Any of you like it? No. You were probably angry. And that's what we do to our children. When you abuse your size and position, you alienate your children. You're big enough that even, and this, I've done this, even when you're wrong, you're right. Anybody done that one? 
And, and I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back and apologize to my children and ask for their forgiveness. And by the way, there's difference in apologizing and af- asking for forgiveness. There's even a difference in saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. That's the weakest thing I've ever heard. The, the way that I believe scripture teaches it is you go to someone and you say, I was wrong for what I did. Will you forgive me? And you put it in, in, in their lap. The ball is in their court. And, and I can't tell you how many times, and, and oh, Caleb eats it up when, when even today, you know, if I have to, I'll go, dang, I hate being wrong. And he'll just grin. He loves being right. Well, I do too, and you do too. But when we express, um, when, we exp- when we exasperate our children, we beat our kids down. We alienate our children. A better way is to validate them. What, what I tell uh, folks all the time is rules without relationship equals rebellion. So if somebody is rebelling, like, like our teenagers just went down and, and uh, they were at youth camp this last week and they did Backyard Bible Club each day. And I guarantee you that the kids that they made relationships with were better behaved than the kids that they didn't. You love, and I I actually told the teenagers before they left on Monday, I said, if you love on a kid and you become their friend, I can't tell you how many times I've done it. I'd say to to a child, I'd say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to be a leader because I see the potential in you. And and will you help me out? And they're like, yes. They, They get excited about that. Or we can beat them down and talk about what a problem child they are. Um, we forget that to our children, everything is a big deal. Do y'all remember when you were teenagers? Some of you, is a long time ago. Me and John, is a long time ago, right, buddy? Do you remember? I kind of remember. When you're a teenager, it's just the way things are. You're the center of the universe, and you think everybody's looking at you. You think everybody's talking about you. Now, if you say to your child, your teenager, how can you be upset about something so stupid? How do you think they're going to feel? Right. And so what we need to say is, this seems to be a big deal to you, and I'm sorry that you're hurt. Which one would you rather hear? As adults, which one did you rather hear? Dude, you're an idiot. Now, now, occasionally you need that. Occasionally you need somebody, not everybody, to tell you you're an idiot. We'll see that in, in just a second. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's coming up. Um, you have to establish boundaries because kids don't come out with boundaries. Kids come out just wanting to control everything. And, and you'll, have to ex- uh, uh, you'll have to explain boundaries to them and show them what boundaries are, and that won't make you popular. You're not supposed to be your children's friend. You're supposed to be their parent. When they become uh, old and, older and mature and well-adjusted, then you can become friends. Uh, you'll have to be the bad guy at times, and your child is not your ally when it comes to teaching them how to behave properly, right? You hope your spouse is, but your child is never going to be because who wants, who wants to, to obey? I mean, we want to be free, right? We want to run around and do all of those things. You're going to have to get your point across without being a jerk. Janie's mom, one time Janie told me this years ago that she brought home a C and her mom, I loved Louise. Louise is one of the neatest ladies on the planet. And, but when Louise said something, she meant it. So Janie got a C in a class and she came home and her mom said, where's your report card? And Janie said, oh, I left it in the, in the car. And she said, why don't you go get it? And, and Janie said, oh, I'll get it later. And her mom said, I know you got a C. And Janie just froze. Her, her teacher had called and, and told mom. And so mom was just going to see if, if Janie would fess up to it. And, and this is all Louise ever said. She said, this won't happen again. 
or you won't be driving. Do you understand? Jane's like, yes, ma'am. Because Louise said what she meant. There wasn't jumping up and down. There wasn't, you know, beating her down. It was with, with Janie, and, and you need to ask her about this because she had to be in at 9 o'clock on weekdays, 9.30 on weekends, right? And you, you were late. You, you got grounded. You, you made a bad grade. You didn't drive. It was just, here's the consequences, and that's what we've got to teach our kids. There, there are natural consequences that are going to happen when we shelter our kids from consequences. We are not preparing them for a good future. We're preparing them to be offended by everything. Sorry, that was just... I saw that on Facebook yesterday. Good morning, America. What can we be offended by today? You enforce reasonable consequences for rules when a boundary is crossed. It's the way life operates. Now, here's, here's what I want you to realize. When it matters most, the quality of your relationship with your child will determine the weight of your influence. You don't want to control your kids when they're older. You want to influence them. But the quality of your relationship with them will determine how much weight you have. How many of you, let me just ask you this. How many of you, um, if your parents, you you still ask your parents for advice when you're making major decisions? How many of you? I can tell you that the quality of your relationship with your parents when you were growing up determines whether they have influence in your life right now, right? If you didn't have much uh, relationship with them, you probably don't care what they have to say. If they were to call you up and give you advice, those of you who had a quality relationship with your parents, you would, you would take their advice. Those who didn't, wouldn't. Because here's the, here's the deal. No relationship equals no influence. Now, I want you to think about some important decisions that kids, that teenagers are making. It's not just teenagers, it's younger and younger nowadays. That they're not fully prepared to make on their own. Anybody got any suggestions? What are some things that teenagers and even younger children are decisions they're making that they're not equipped to fully understand those decisions? This is crowd participation. Love, okay. Love, who to date? What love is? Um, what, about, what about whether to do drugs or not? Is that, is that something that they probably have all the information that they need? <laughs> no. What about, um, what about having sex? What about... Um, where to go to college? Who should I marry? How should I raise my kids? By the time your kids are making this, these decisions, your size and your position are almost irrelevant. What matters is your influence. That's what we want is influence. See, we tend to rate our things on ex, uh, rate ourselves, our parenting skills on external things, such as, well, my kids live in a nice house and they have more toys than I did. So, woohoo! My kids are involved in all these extracurricular activities. Woohoo! My kids do all of this stuff and they've got pretty toys and they've got nice cars. There will come a day when you would trade every one of those things for just a little bit of influence in your kids' lives. So, let's think through this now. And realize some things matter more than other things. Maybe a better question to ask, and, and you know, because I beat myself up. I, I, my parents, I didn't have a good relationship with. Um, I had to go back and reestablish that when I was uh, a 20 year old and, and older. And then when my parents died, I'm, I was very close to my parents, could talk to them about anything. But, but it wasn't so much when I was a teenager. And, and I was very, very hard on Caleb as he was growing up. And, and I, I beat myself up for some of the dumb decisions he made. And I understand that he makes his own choices. But I feel like I was really, really hard on him. So my parents weren't hard on me. So I swung over here to this side of the pendulum. I was really, really hard on Caleb. And I feel guilt about some of the things that I did to my son. 
And if I could go back, I would do it over again. I guess that's why we get to be grandparents if we live long enough so that you get a do-over and, and, and you know that your children are probably going to swing the other side of the, the pendulum. You're supposed to come in and, and balance out their psychotic nature. <laughs> because even, you know, I, I look at all of my, my siblings and all of us were kind of crazy in, in different ways, the way we parented. And, and all of us have had really difficult things that have happened and we could beat ourselves up. But here's the question. Here's, here's the question I want you to think about instead of beating yourself up. Is my relationship with my children stronger than my relationship with my parents? And, and I can say yes, because I intentionally pursued relationships with my kids. Now, was it perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But I can, when I look at that, I don't feel as much guilt because I made an effort to be home and, and to play catch and to, to go on bike rides and to go on vacations. I made all of that effort that I didn't get to do with my parents when I was growing up. I played catch with my dad one time, one time in my entire childhood. And it is very vivid in my mind. The kids next door weren't around to play. Dad was always working on cars because we were very poor and he, that was his second job. I didn't know all of this at the time. And, and dad saw me kind of moping on my neighbor's back porch and, and I had a baseball because I always, always had a ball when I was a kid. And, and he just, over the top of the car, he started playing catch with me. And I became a fan of my dad that day. Because he, he took 10 minutes to play catch with me. And so when Caleb was growing up, man, every time he'd say, you play catch with me? And I, and I never said no. Because I remembered how much that meant when, when I was a kid. So if you're not establishing a relationship with your children you're robbing yourself and you're cheating your children of of the number one influence that God has put in their lives he chose you now there are illegitimate relationships that means having sex outside of marriage there's no such thing as an illegitimate child God knew that kid would be born God knew that kid would be born to you and we've got to do what we can to influence them for the future because, you know, they come out of the womb self-centered, right? You don't have to teach them what to do wrong. You have to teach them what to do right. And so what we've got to do to help them move from self-centeredness to God-centeredness is really to ponder God. We become what we look at. Here's, here's the verse in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Nothing between us and God, our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are uh, transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. In other words, as we see God, he changes us. If we see God a lot, God changes us a lot. If we see God a little, he changes us very little. If we don't see God at all, he does not change us at all. That's why we... That's, that's why we emphasize over and over, you need to regularly be in church because, because if, if we're going to be gut level honest today, very few of us in this room spend time with God every day. And it's reflected in how we treat one another. You go without your, your time with the Lord one or two days, God knows. You go a week, your family knows. You go longer than that, everybody else knows that you're not spending time with the Lord. If, if worshiping God, if gazing at God, if that's the way we're transformed, if seeing God changes us and we don't see him, we're not changed to be like Jesus Christ. So I want my kids to know a couple of things. 
if, if my child was created by God for a specific purpose and I'm pushing my child into things that are not of God, I'm actually helping frustrate my child and drive them further away from God. And that is not the reason I was put on this planet. That is not the reason God gave me kids. If the local church is the hope of the world and if, if this life God offers rescues us from this mundane existence, then I need to do everything I can to set my children up to meet God and to be changed by him. So there's two things specifically that I've tried to build into my kids their whole lives. Caleb's 20, Rachel's 18, Hannah's 15. And so really the, the control part, the control part actually went out about when they were 13. Now I want influence, but here's the things I tried to build in them. Number one, I want my kids to know if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now understand the full statement, because if you just take the last statement, you can think of a lot of things that are against us. Go to the hospital. Disease is against you. Walk down a neighborhood where you are not the, uh, uh, in the majority and there are things that are against you. Turn on the news at night. There are all kinds of terrorists against us. There's all kinds of weather-related disasters against us. If all you do is look at the last part of that, and this is what a lot of people do, what can be against us? There's a lot of stuff that can be against us, but that's not the question. The question starts with, if God is for us, All right, so I want you to focus on just four words. God is for us. If we can help our kids understand this truth, it will revolutionize their lives. So this is kind of what I want you to carry out of here today. All right, so I want you to say it with me. We're going to say it several times. First is God is for us. Say that with me. God is for us. Now, we're going to emphasize each word. The first time we're going to go, God is for us. Ready? God is for us. All right, this time we're going to emphasize the word is. Ready? God is for us. The word for. God is for us. And now the word us. God is for us. Let's, let's make it personal. God is for me and emphasize the word me. God is for me. If you really believed that, it would change the way you saw everything. You would look for opportunities where God does some stuff and you would point it out to your children. That was not of me, that was of God. And it would change you. Opportunities are all around us. We just miss it. And think about if our kids get this, it will change their lives. No matter what happens to us, God is for us. Parents may have forgotten us. God is for us. Teachers may neglect us or even pick on us. God is for us. Your family may turn their back on you and be ashamed to admit they are related to you. But the one who made the oceans, the skies, and everything in it is for you. Do you not see how that would change your outlook on life if you realize it doesn't matter how many bills you have. God is for you. It doesn't matter if you've lost your job. God is for you. Can death harm you? No, not if God is for you. Can disease rob your purpose in life? Can your value on earth be diminished? Though hell itself brings all its power against you, can you be defeated if God is for you? No. Thank you. Mary's emphatic. The problem is that our lives reflect what is important to us, and very often, I don't reflect that God is for me to my children. Now, in this next scene, you're going to see the inevitable result of this mom. Taylioni's character is psycho. She drives me nuts from the moment she comes on the screen until the end. She just, she's just psycho, and she alienates everybody in her family. And this is one of my favorite scenes because Grandma, Cloris Leachman, great, great part that she plays in this whole thing. She used to be a drunk. Now she's sobered up, and, and because she realized that she needed to be sober to make a difference in her daughter's life. Watch this clip. 
need to talk to you privately, honey. Honey? Well, Mother, I can't right now. I'm really late. I've been looking all over for you. Will you keep an eye on the kids? You've got my secret cell number, Just okay? Just give me a moment to talk here. What is it? Are you buzzed? No. I gave up drinking weeks ago. Yes? Nobody noticed. Which shows I probably conducted myself pretty well as a drunk. But duty called, and I'm sober. So... May I say just one thing? Yeah, my, yes, Mother, one thing. Go ahead. Thank you. Deborah, you are going to lose your husband if you don't stop what you are doing. And you will never find someone as good. There'll only be men who you know are cheap and shallow and have no real warmth in their souls. You may have gotten by on those surfaces once, but now... You have been spoiled by a good man. If you do not act quickly, you will soon cement an awful fate for yourself. A life with no hope of, of repair, which has already begun to turn desperate and dumb. That's it. Oh, drive carefully. Oh, pot of coffee. It's over for me. Well, you've done it again, Mother. Made me hate myself. What are the things I can count on? Honey, lately your low self-esteem is just good common sense. One of the best lines in the movie. Uh, i got to use that over and over again. Uh, she's having an affair. She's committing adultery. And she's going to lose her family. She doesn't have influence in her children's life. Her mom, she doesn't influence her. Um, and, and obviously she has no influence in her husband's life because she's committing adultery. And this, this kind of uh, puts her over. Because sometimes you need somebody to look and, and say, your low self-esteem is actually good common sense. Now, not all the time, but sometimes. Because your low self-esteem very often is because you keep repeating the same dumb choices over and over. Now, if someone else is making choices that hurt you, that, that's different. That, that, you're, not, you're not bad because someone else. But if you keep making the same choices and you keep getting the same result, we call that insanity. If you want different results, do something differently. And, and sometimes you need that. Now, in, in uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend have several books about boundaries, and they've got one, Boundaries with Kids. And, and what they said is, if kids grow up and they're confused about their own boundaries, that means what they are responsible for and they're confused about other people's boundaries, what they are responsible for, the other folks. If they, if they grow up confused, they'll never develop the skills that help them navigate through life. And, and here's what will happen. They will spend their lives trying to control others and being out of control themselves. You know anybody like that? They're out of control themselves, but they're trying to control other people, li- people's lives. And you look at them and you go, you, you can't even handle your life, and you're trying to control other people. It doesn't even make sense. Now, the mom is psycho, and everybody knows it. Everything in her world is about her, so she has no influence left. Now, I, I chose this movie. I watched this. I've seen it several times. Saw it years ago. Saw it about six months ago, and I said, I've got to use it. And I chose it because of this scene. Because in this scene... Everything says that, that uh, Adam Sandler and Paz Vega should, should become a couple. And I want you to watch how this mom changes. Because if you remember back at the first of the movie, Christina said, the most influ- influential person in my life is, is by far my mother. Here's one of the reasons why. 
My mother has often referred to that evening at the restaurant as the conversation of her life. <laughs> Isn't your mind racing too? I would say my mind has evaporated. Feels pretty good. Like happy. Like happy. <laughs> you think that we laugh? I was just kidding around. I understand I what you mean. No, I don't understand what I mean. That is getting late. The, the responsibilities yeah. have entered your brain. Don't hide that from me. You're right. Yeah. I won't. You're great. You're great. I know. Mm. No. There's some mistakes. You cannot risk when you have children. Stay put for a stay. Stay there. Once our feet touch that floor, I'm going to get too many brain cells back. Don't be in such a hurry. That floor is going to eat us alive. I were watching the movie and we got to this point and and I looked at her and I said I have so much respect for her walking away because our world says if it feels good do it and she said there are some mistakes you cannot risk when you have children oh great line and I looked at Janie and said I got to use this movie in in summer blockbusters now the reason I showed you all of this is because we need to have influence. The reason she had influence is because she, she gave up stuff so that her child could have the best possible future as opposed to the other mom. Now, I told you I want my kids to know if God is for us, who can ever be against us? The second thing I want my kids to know is this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? It's a question that Paul asked in Romans 8.35, and it's an age-old question. Is it possible for me to do something so bad that God cannot forgive me? And the answer is no. 
Does God love me on days other than Sunday? Because let's, let's be honest, we at least put forth an effort to kind of look good and, and to go to church and to worship. And, and this is probably the best that we're ever going to be in our week, right? But what happens on Monday through Saturday when I'm a jerk, when I get mad at my kids, I remember I would get mad at my kids if they spilled their milk. You ever done that? I've gotten mad at my kids if they didn't get in the car fast enough. And I was a jerk. And, and I got to be honest with you, when I do those things, I don't even like myself. Is it possible for God to love me when I'm a world-class jerk? Because I can't believe that my, my wife and my kids do. The cool thing is that God answered that question before you and I ever asked it. And it's in Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor ruling spirits, nothing now, that's in the present, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nothing, uh, uh, not, nor anything else in the world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here is the deal. According to God's word, which does not change based on a Supreme Court decision, according to God's word, nothing can separate you from his love. That means you can't be bad enough that God won't love you. You cannot be bad enough that God will not forgive you. The key is, are you humble enough to admit that you're a sinner? Because the scripture says, when you bow before him, when you humble yourself before God, your heavenly father rushes to wrap his arms around you and to forgive you. If we are faithful, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of you have been running around thinking you're too bad to be loved. It's not true. God wanted you to hear today that no matter what you've done, if you've messed up as a parent, you can, it's never too late to start. You can start now and you can make a difference in the future. I tell people all the time, God's not worried so much about your past as he is about your future. He's already paid for your past. He's actually paid for your future. And, and the boundaries that God puts up, they're not to restrict you, it's to protect you. It's like guardrails on the side of a highway. I'm grateful for guardrails when I'm in the mountains, right? Because I don't want to fall off. Oh, it's restrictive to drive on the road in the mountains. No, it's makes sense. God has given us his word as guardrails to protect us and provide a better future for us. Make the choice to follow him. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? God, we thank you that there's nothing now, nothing in the future, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing in hell that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God, help us to spread that message to everyone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have three baskets in the back. One is our joy basket. It's how we take up our offering, or you can give online. We thank you for doing that, nlccp.com. Number two, what? You just, who went on? Who did it? Who did it? Jacob. Make it, look at him. He's like, uh. Number two, we have a registration card basket. Put your prayer concerns on there. Uh, I pray through those. If you've got an answered prayer, love to hear that. Some of you write me uh, emails and, and texts and different things. You tell me that God, what God is doing in your life, and God, it just brings a, a warmth to my soul. Third basket is our bagel basket. Everything that goes in there is going to pay for our parking lot that we hope to have in just a few months. Stand up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Don't stand up.
If you want to stay and watch this video, you are welcome to do it. If you need to go, you feel free to go. Um, uh, be sure and rescue the children's workers. They love your kids for an hour, and I'm, I'm over time. So be sure and go get your kids, and you can come back, and we'll show you the, the video. All right? If you need to be dismissed, you're dismissed.